the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement, hopefully, is the idea. Maybe it's the world's trying to wake you to cultural issues, and I'm trying to wake you to financial retirement issues is the best way of thinking about it. Yesterday was a humbling session on Wall Street. And that's what maybe the first segment should be all about, humility. The markets were up. The markets looked like they were putting in their two-week bottom, two-week test of a bottom. So two weeks ago, the markets were near the same levels they are today. Then they started to rally a little bit higher. And they came back yesterday to the same point they were in two weeks. Typically, I find that to be a very good thing. It's a process of shaking out the weaker hands. It's a process of putting in a bottom. When my father was a young man, a bear market would last three years. It would slowly go lower and lower and lower and sideways and lower. With the speed of money and the crazy amounts of money and the financial engineering companies do, bear markets are a lot faster now. Corrections are a lot faster. Pullbacks are a lot faster. Um, I used to watch stocks as a child in the newspaper, mind you. There was no CNBC. So I'd get the business section of New York Times and the business section of the Washington Post. We lived overseas for most of my childhood. and Those were the two newspapers out. And uh, I'd see like IBM's 50 and a quarter. <clears throat> Something you don't remember. Stocks were priced in like an eighth, a quarter, three eighths. And you'd see it move like an eighth or two quarters a day. And you're like, whoa. Um, it was gr- painfully slow. Keep in mind, the trading floor of Wall Street was a bunch of people screaming, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. Computers weren't there. So. <clears throat> Computers did bring in a great, great, I don't want to say hack, but maybe an efficiency for pricing. The SP 500 closed below 4,500 points for the first time since October yesterday after a heavy sell off in the final hour of trading. Things got worse from there last night after the close. Netflix, Netflix blew it. They fumbled. It's like it was kind of an okay thing. And then Jimmy Grappolo has the lead with 20 seconds left. All he has to do is kneel down and, oh, no, he drops the ball. And the Packers pick it up. And no one touches the man. And he's running towards the end zone. It had that kind of disastrous feel to it yesterday when Netflix blew it. It's not what Netflix reported now. It's what they said about the next two quarters. And they hinted heavily that competition is becoming pesky. 
Peloton's having a worse time of it. Peloton yesterday. Now, we knew that they were going to stop. Uh, we knew that they were going to slow down, that they were going to be the pandemic poster child of what not to hold in a rebound, in a recovery of the economy. But the at-home exercise company that boomed during the early days of the pandemic is temporarily pausing production of its bikes and treadmills. Like, they don't even need to make them. They got too many of them sitting around. That is a massive problem. They don't have a supply chain problem. They have a demand problem. Peloton stock tanked 25% after that news broke, closing underneath its IPO price and giving up all of its pandemic gains. Morale at the company is horrific. Insiders were selling about a month ago, knowing that this information was happening. So a lot of upper-level management booked hundreds of million dollars of profits. A lot of the employees were never told and they learned about this on the news. With customers waiting as long as two months for their bikes, Peloton spent $420 million to buy exercise equipment manufacturer Precore during the pandemic. Whoops. Peloton announced it was dropping $400 million to build its first U.S. factory in Ohio that would be completed in 2023. Whoops. They don't exactly need that now. It clearly overestimated how many people wanted to get sweaty in their living rooms when they could get sweaty near someone's dad on an elliptical at the gym. Uh, demand for the product has sagged as gyms reopen. We could have expected that, but you kind of assume that Peloton had a better pulse. And ultimately what's happening is this is, this is the concerning part to me. Customers balked at the high price. And then earlier this week, Peloton said, we have to raise the prices even more because the shipping costs and the material cost of inflation, we want to pass on to you. After during the about two months ago, they said they were lowering the price, creating a cheaper version to try to get you, the person who was price sensitive to come in. What I'm trying to paint a picture of, they're a mess. Right now, you can get a Peloton on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, easily. Very difficult to get one in a delivery van to bring it to your home. But if you want to go pick it up, they're out there. People don't want it anymore. And I don't know. I never put a lot of thought into getting a Peloton. I'm not a person who needs to be motivated by a class. I can be motivated by walking my dog to exercise, you know, a little harder, a little faster. I could walk a dog on a hill and get, you know, I don't need, uh, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love a good job, but <clears throat> paying $2,500 for a Peloton, no interest, no interest. Cause I knew I'd use it for about a month and then it would like lose its sparkly appeal. CNN, not CNN, CNBC reported that McKinsey is going to try to figure out how to structure business. Some of the top execs at the home workout have reportedly discussed laying off 41% of the staff. The Sex in the City reboot turned out to be a disaster for Peloton as they agreed to product placement, but due to the secretive nature of the show, <clears throat> they didn't know where the product was going to be placed. They would probably hope that it was Miranda or Carrie. Those are the only two names I can come up with. 
we're going to be all hot and sweaty and 60 years old and on their workout equipment and still kind of sexy, holding on to it, holding on to it. No, they had Mr. Big uh, die of a heart attack after he was on his Peloton telling you, yeah, this may kill you. So instantly they had to go in and try to fix that. Anyhow, the Federal Reserve released a highly anticipated report yesterday on whether to issue a U.S. digital dollar. It is not a coincidence that Bitcoin got clobbered yesterday. The Fed state is non-commitment to Switzerland, writing that it takes no position in the ultimate desirability of a digital dollar. China said, no Bitcoin, we're doing a digital yuan. If the United States says, no Bitcoin, we're doing a digital dollar, that's going to be the death of Bitcoin. I don't think that happens. There's a lot of innovation that the United States accepts. There's a lot of entrepreneurship that the United States accepts that other countries and other parts of the world just won't do. If you have strong opinions on the digital dollar, the Fed wants to hear from you. You can Google Federal Reserve form on digital currencies, and you will find it where you can weigh in with your opinion. Uh, Central Bank digital currency feedback form. Isn't that weird? Like you get to decide policy for cryptocurrencies. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Hopefully you get something out of each and every show. I do extensive amounts of research throughout the day. I pay for research. I work with EP Wealth. I get access to research. Interesting that um, I've been doing this for 25 years, and I would say my smartest ability is to get up before you and just outwork you. That's where I add value. I wasn't born with a brain that is processing smarts better than you in financials. I will say that I've always been intrigued by numbers. They kind of calm me down. So when a company comes out and reports, I like looking at numbers. This is earnings season. Netflix came out yesterday. And it wasn't great. Stock was down 20% in aftermarkets. That is the buying opportunity you've been waiting for. Or, oh crap, what do I do now? You better have a decision. I would not be surprised if Netflix turns into the show me kind of stock where it may be dead money for three months. It may be dead money until we start seeing some sort of acceleration in international growth. That was their big problem. Most American adults who they're pretty aware of Netflix. Um, So it's fairly well saturated. When you're taking a look at the chart of Netflix, it's not offensive unless you start in the year 2021 or you start at the year 2022, then it's painful. But you're talking about a company that's had 10 great years of growth and the last year has been very problematic. Price targets can be slashed this morning on companies like Netflix. Again, their problem was they spend a lot of money and they were counting on a lot of international growth and they didn't get it. The two of like, 7 million ads were really 2 million ads. And that is a miss by a mile. It's just too big of a mess. 
We'll talk more intimately about that later in the show. I want to get through some of the headline news. I thought this was great. The IRS is going to start using facial recognition. Now, I'm okay with that because I have an Apple iPhone and it uses facial recognition. I worry about the Bubba Gump in Louisiana. Who's like, I don't have no cell phones. That may be a little bit tougher for them to do work. Anyone who uses the IRS online portal will have to create an ID.me account, which requires selfies to make and view payments and access tax records. When this gets hacked, it'll be a big story. Do we really want the government agency storing pictures of ourselves tied towards identity, maybe potentially tied towards our social security number? Oh, it sounds like it could have a disaster written all over it. If I know government workers and I'm not knocking government workers, but the cliche on you guys is you're kind of on the lazy side or the underfunded side or the 10 year old technology side. Yesterday, Cisco, we learned, has changed their compensation packages, and it's making it very difficult for salespeople to hit their commissions and drive salespeople to leave the company. That is the kind of story that I fear as an investor. I don't own Cisco. I used to own Cisco in the 2000s. I've had no interest in ever really owning it. it. It's a great hardware company. It's a great equipment company. But again, if you take a look at a chart of Cisco, this is okay. This is what we should do. This is how we should, how shall we say, uh, get a learning lesson in today. This is probably the only learning lesson you have to walk away with and you'll be, oh, I get it. From 1990, it was a, if you go back all the way to 1990, it was a 16 penny stock. You could buy a share of Cisco for under a quarter. And then 10 years later, it was $55. Whoa. It was an amazing run. If you take a look at the chart, and you could go to like Yahoo and just put in the max chart. You don't have to do anything, big charts or anything like that. It looks like a skyscraper. And then from the year 2000, there was a tech correction. I'll key in on that two words, tech correction. I would call it tech bear market. I would call it a tech slaughterhouse. And it went from the $77 level to two years later, it was at the $14 level, 77 to 14. That's like 60, 80%, right? Yeah, it got murdered. So again, from 1990, it goes from 16 cents to 2002, 14. That's still a great investment. But because you bought it in... 2000 or 1999 or 1998, it hits a bottom in 2000 and then it starts growing again. It goes from $14 a share to 10 years later, $58 a share. It still has never hit its all time high in 2000. 10 years later, it's still not its all time high. You can do the same thing with the chart of Amazon. Amazon was a winner winner chicken dinner, but 2000, 2002 gave you the most amazing buying opportunity in your life. It lost essentially 90% of its value in that period of time. So left for dead, not attractive to anyone, maybe is the right way of saying it. I don't know. Or maybe only attractive to a mother. You could have got it for 
$8 a share, $6 a share if you're savvy. Um, so just know that right now, tech stocks are off 10% as an index in the NASDAQ. Individual stocks like Amazon are well off 20%. I like it when tech stocks are growth stocks. Let me say growth stocks. I'm not going to say I enjoy it, but with Coca-Cola from its all-time high, it may fall 10 to 20%. For a growth stock, it may fall 40%. For a hyper-growth stock, it may fall 60 to 80% before it finds bottom. I'm not making any predictions here in any way, shape, or form. Cisco is clearly more of an established company than, say, Airbnb. Or Intel's more of an established company with less downside than, say, AMD. AMD got kicked around pretty hard. <clears throat> and again, these were some of our favorite stocks a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. It's kind of tough to turn your back on them because you feel kind of a relationship with them. That's where I come in. Um, personally, I, I don't have any, a lot of emotions. So... I like seeing 40% pullbacks on my favorite names. And then if I buy at that level and it goes down another 10, 20%, I don't feel bad. I feel like I got 40% off. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. You can find me online at EP Wealth, or you can find me on my personal website that has the links to EP Wealth at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com Burn through some topics. Let's talk about retirement. Is the correction done at 10% on the NASDAQ? Have we put in a bottom? We'll talk about that and much, much more this hour. Uh, a lot of headlines that I want to get through. Meatloaf, the rocker, and Bad Out of Hell singer dies at the age of 74. Um, he has a top 20 selling album of all time. Uh, he wrote it with Jim Steinman. Uh, no, I'd say Jim Steinman wrote it and he performed it. Jim Steinman is kind of a... Um, I need a hero. He's kind of like, where's the white knight in the shining star? Very, very poetic writing in songs and meatloaf song in a very poetic manner. So he dies at the age of 74. The only reason I bring that up is we all die. I'd do anything for love. But I won't do that. And what's that? What's that? What's the one thing you won't do? And you're like, oh, he was in the movie uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And he kind of stole that movie, in my opinion with the song Hop Tootie, Bless My Soul. I really love that rock and roll. Um, so he's dead. It's, he's dead. <laughs> Just kind of reminds me that the people I grew up hearing on the radio, yeah, they're all starting to die. It also reminds me that people die and you should have a plan. He lived a good life, a long life. Um, but in the end, you know, he was probably known for five songs. That was his career. Your career will be from age 20 to 50, 20 to 60. Maybe you'll find the job that you love in your 30s. Maybe you'll turn 50 and say, I want to open up a zoo or an Airbnb. I don't know. But his career was like five songs, and then he was on The Apprentice, and that's about it. I'm sure there was more to it than that, but 
I like oversimplifying things for you. Um, speaking of death, kids under five can't get COVID vaccines and doctors are trying to explain how to keep them safe. While at the same time, kids' COVID hospitalizations hit the pandemic high, worrying doctors and parents about long-term impacts. When I was a child, I got a polio vaccine so that I ended up getting a disease and being in a wheelchair. Same thing with measles. Same things with rubella. Same things with tetanus. Like, I'm okay with shots. I've got a brother who is a scientist who works for the CDC. I'm really good with shots. Um, if I didn't go into um, creative storytelling and writing and research and investing, I probably would have been a scientist. I come from a very bright family. Um, and me and my sister, the last two, there's four boys and there's two of us. Uh, the first four boys went into science and math. And I got into math in a kind of backdoor kind of way. But me and my sister, the creative ones. Um, I bring it up in large part because I'm okay with science. Grew up in a, with a family that d- digs science, digs math. Kids' COVID hospitalizations hit a pandemic high. That is the saddest thing you can think about. My charitable work, I do it for two things, animals and children. Um, I don't care about saving the trees. I don't care about like the planet. I want to help kids and I'll help animals because they're the two things on this planet that are truly, in my opinion, innocent. Um, I'm not longer innocent. I got a divorce that marriage lasted under a year. I got what I deserved. Didn't do enough research on that one. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. The IMF chief, International Monetary Fund, said the Fed rate hike could throw cold water on the global recovery. Here's something I want you to, to kind of come to. So we hear about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. We know inflation's a thing. I felt like I got five bags of groceries yesterday for $300 when five bags of groceries was $200 previous years. Food costs are higher. Travel costs are higher. Concert tickets are higher. Um, inflation feels everywhere. Gasoline, higher. So the IMF says that the Fed rate hike could throw cold water on a global recovery. And I throw this down because right now, the conventional wisdom on Wall Street is the Federal Reserve is going to cause a recession by raising interest rates too fast to fight inflation, that they're behind the curve, and they need to be dramatic and raise 50 basis points before March to show us that they know that they're behind the curve. And Wall Street won't like that. So Wall Street's like, we're going lower because inflation's going higher and interest rates are going higher. That's the conventional wisdom. Here's the kicker, though. Higher interest rates means lower stock market deflation. And higher interest rates means lower economic activity and loans. Um, So it's going to mess with real estate prices. It's going to mess with stock prices. Yes, the Federal Reserve has this mandate to fight inflation and to get full employment. We have full employment, so they should be fighting inflation for sure. But it feels like they should have probably cut tapering earlier than they did, and they should have started cutting interest rates maybe one last year, two this year, instead of three this year or four this year. Um, when the Fed raises rates, and if they do it dramatically, it's going to hit your real estate prices and it's going to hit your stock prices. Now, what the IMF chief is saying is the Fed, if they are too aggressive, they're going to create problems. So I don't think the Fed's going to be as creative as some fear. 
but I think the easiest money with low cost money is passed. I don't think the Fed wants you to lose 20% in your 401k. I don't think the Fed wants you to lose 20% in your home prices. So they're not supposed to look at the stock market, but it sure looks like they look at the stock market. Um, Interesting to note that Christine Lagarde, who runs the ECB, she's talking about how the European Central Bank and basically Europe, they're not seeing everyone quitting like the United States is. They're not seeing the great resignation. And I don't know where to go with that yet. I have to think about that. But the great resignation in the United States has also created wage pressure for the people who are working. And I think that's worthy of note that wage inflation is a two-sided sword. It means corporations make less money. So they're going to do less R&D. They're going to do less hiring. But for the worker, it means more money to go to dinner with, more money to save for retirement for. It's kind of a two-edged sword, in my opinion. Maybe not the most popular thing to say out loud. Um, but I really have a lot of respect for Christine Lagarde. Eurozone's inflation levels have raised questions about the ECB's monetary policy with central bank behind its British and American counterparts when it comes to normalization path. But Lagarde has defended the ECB's policy, arguing that Europe did not share the United States' state of excessive demand. So as we've all tried to go back, okay, what was last April, maybe? My mother-in-law turned 80, so we got a hotel, five-star resort kind of thing, got 20 of us together, social distance, all had proof of vaccinations or uh, uh, testing done. And everyone at the the hotel was complaining because there wasn't enough staff to cover that you know $600 room night charge, not enough service for a high-end service rest, uh, hotel. Um, Europe's not rushing back to the parties. They're not rushing back to opening up. They're not. So it's a different economic world as far as it's balancing in jobs and demand. I throw that down in large part because it really has been interesting. China had the most effective COVID policy early, but now that Omicron's not very dangerous or not as dangerous, China's got the biggest problem. This is when you should be getting exposure to build antibodies. Um, in theory, I'm, I, I, I don't say that lightly. If you're vaccinated, you're, you know, all the media out there. But um, every country's taking a different approach to this, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. So yesterday there was a statistic that we didn't really hit on because the markets are in correction mode. Some stocks are in bear market mode. Tough way to start the year. As we're coming out of COVID, it's creating more and more inflation. Wage inflation, food cost inflation, shelter inflation, energy inflation. Kind of sucks. We're going to come into 2022 and get the t-shirt. I survived 2021 COVID and all I got is this lousy t-shirt and a ton of inflation. But yesterday we saw something that it's just showing you the problems in America structurally. Existing home sales dropped 4.6% last month from November. So we're reporting December numbers in mid-January. That makes sense, right? 
So the problem is that's that's good news. People aren't rushing out buying homes and maybe there's less competition for the 25-year-old who has a fiance who wants to move into a single family home and make babies. Yesterday, we saw that China's having problems making babies. So they're encouraging their Chinese citizens to have two to three babies instead of the old policy of one baby per family. Elon Musk has said, has said the world's screwed if we don't make more babies. And to me, I, I kind of agree. And I don't know if I agree with him, but we need workers to support social programs that we've promised to people. A woman in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska yesterday died at age 115 or she died on Monday. Oldest woman in America. Well, oldest person on the planet, oldest female on the planet. And I said to my producer, I said, wouldn't it have been great if they go into her hospital room or her retirement home and she just turned to dust in the middle of the night? Like you're old, so old, you just poof, you're dust. Put in perspective, she lived 55 years after age 60. And Social Security paid her for 55 years, essentially, to stay on this planet breathing. It wasn't set up for that. When we invented Social Security, people died at 60. They'd work to 55 and they'd retire. They'd be dead five years later. And they started living to 62. And they started living to 63, 64, 65, 66. A couple of years ago, the average man in America would live to 76. The average woman, 78. I may have those data points off by a year or two. But for a 115-year-old to be getting a social security check, 55 years of not working tells you there's a problem. And the millennials today, we need them to work so that we can pay for the baby boomers in retirement. They were, you have something on your paycheck called social security. You're paying into the social security fund. Social security is not going to break. It's not going to flop. I'm not predicting doom and gloom, but I'm predicting as we're living longer. And during COVID, we actually saw the mortality rates, the average age drop, which is fascinating. Um, there's commentators on radio and television are like, it's no big deal. But when you see the average age of death in America drop, it's a big deal. That tells me. Now, here's the cynical me. I wonder if that was good for the US economy to, to weed out some of the elderly due to COVID so that we don't have to pay them social security. And I'm like, that's dark, Rob. Don't say that out loud. And I just did. But I'm always trying to find figure out the compromises and the solutions. And it's just surreal, the world we live in. I put it in perspective that my 10-year-old son has lived 20% of his life with COVID and wearing masks. That sucks. Um, he's a trooper. He's a good kid. Uh, we're going to go for haircuts tomorrow. We're going to watch football tomorrow night. Um, not that either one of us really likes football. We just like hanging out with each other. So existing home sales dropped 4.6% last month from November to a seasonally adjusted rate of 6.2 million. In theory, that's good news. Um, less competition. But the demand for homes remains quite healthy, jumping nearly 16% from year over year levels. And that's where it gets a problem. It's the number of homes for sale that slumped, which basically means if you're a 25-year-old producer and you're trying to get a fiance to settle down and marry you and have kids... It's not looking good because there's very few homes for sale. There's only 1.6 months of inventory. 
And the statistic that I want you to, to, to go with here is it's a buyer's market when inventories hit six, seven, eight, nine months, which basically means Rob wants to sell his home. I want to move to San Diego, get on the beach, retire, something like that, right? Maybe I'll go to Cancun or Puerto Verto, or maybe I'll go to Hawaii. I don't know. But I decide that I turn 60 and I'm going to sell my home. And then nine months later, it's still not sold. I'm going to cut the price because I want to get the heck out of Dodge and go to Hawaii. I no longer want to pay that monthly. I'm done working. I'm just waiting for the home to sell, right? So six to nine months, it becomes a buyer's market where they're, they, they can negotiate a little bit better. There's too much inventory sitting on the market for too long. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't go rotten, but people get edgy. Like maybe I didn't price it correctly. Four months, it's it's a owner's market where they kind of got you where they want you. Um, so you kind of take what you can get. 1.6 months of supply, I've never seen it so low. There's very few homes for sale. And when they are, they get sucked right up. Now, the good news and the bad news is the stock market pulling back. It'll be a little bit tougher for people to afford buying a home by selling their stocks creating cash and then buying in cash for the down payment. If you have to earn your down payment through income, it's going to, it sucks. It's a lot bit more difficult for Americans to save, you know, X amount of money for X amount of years. 1.6 months of inventory is not enough. My friends, it is very, very problematic. Um, taking a look at the markets today. Um, it's pretty bad. I don't want to like get people scared or riled up. Um, as the morning goes, it's, we started off green, positive. We went down about 1.5% on the NASDAQ, 1% on the S&P 500, half percent on the Dow. The Dow is now break even. The NASDAQ's down 75 basis points. So it's cut its loss in half. And same thing with the S&P 500. So it's trying to rally. Uh, Fridays used to be tough. Fridays used to be tough because the closing hour will tell us a lot. Now, keep in mind, I, keep, I call the first hour of Wall Street and the last hour of Wall Street amateur hour. I tend to buy and sell stocks in the middle of the day um, because I don't want to compete with a trend, even if it's short term. U.S. leading economic indicators rose strongly in December. Now, again, a positive sign. Let me throw down this real quick because I don't want to wrap up without... I don't want to lose time here. Our economy is in fine shape. It's created inflation. We want things. We're demanding things. That is a healthy economy. Our jobs number, healthy. The problem is that there's a lot of inflation that comes with the demand. During COVID, we saved money, which good for you. Um, but now we want to spend money because we're Americans. Americans tend to spend money paycheck to paycheck. But during a pandemic, we were like, oh, we better squirrel this away. Or we better not go on that vacation, which is the buster, the budget buster. Just like we're coming out of the holidays. I know you're saying Christmas was less than a month ago. Yeah, Christmas was less than a month ago. Holidays are behind us. Now it's start, time to start paying for them. More Americans borrowed this season. Um, the buy now, pay later, I don't understand. It's kind of like layaway, layaway in reverse. 
I don't like walking away not having paid for something. To me, it feels like, am I stealing this? And if we hit an economic slowdown, that's going to be a really big problem for the businesses that lent the money. Americans, 36% of Americans took on debt of an average $1,250 this past holiday season. The vast majority, 82% of the people with holiday debt say they won't get it paid within a month. So if it's on a credit card, they're paying 15 to 25% more than what they actually paid. So that $1,250 is, you could start seeing it's another $125, $150, $175. It starts to add up. It's real money. That's a nice night out for two that you're now putting in debt or interest on the debt, not even on the goods that you acquired, but the interest on them. I'm not anti-credit card, but I pay off my balance every month. I have not had an interest payment in 15 plus years, probably 25 plus years. Last time I probably had an interest payment was in my early 20s. And I'll tell you, in my early 20s, I messed up on credit. I came out of college with probably $3,500 $3,500 of credit card debt. And in college, it was books. It was you know pizza money that I put on credit. But it quickly soared to like $6,500, dollars To the point that I had to do the unthinkable. I was starting my own company. I had a girlfriend who I wanted to impress and go on trips with and go to Miami and go to parties and dance and be all sexy and fun. I could have cut, cut my spending there. I could cut spending, right? Save and pay off that debt faster. No, no, no. I had to live life. Had to. Or I could ask mom and dad for the money and my dad would go, I knew it. You're a loser. Nope, no, nope, Wasn't going to do that. So what I did was I picked up a weekend job. Paid it off. You got to dress your debt. It is a killer in saving for retirement. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth. Find me online at Rob Black Show. I've got a lot of videos. On Monday, I'll be recording a market strategy outlook with Adam Phillips. It'll be up on the YouTube show, Rob Black Show, YouTube channel. That'll be some good content for you. It's typically 20-minute long in conversations with a professional strategist. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.